0: Moms, they do things that, praise the Lord, they do them, you know, that only they can do them, glory to God, and we appreciate them. All right. Now, moms, I want you to remember the duration of that hand clap, because Father's Day is coming, and um, we would hope that you will give us a hand. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. God, praise the Lord. Oh, man, <laughs> praise God. If you don't have an outline, raise your hand. Well, well first of all, if you, don't have a, if, you, if you don't have a flower, are there any moms that don't have a flower yet? Raise your hand, raise your hand quickly. Moms, any moms, any moms, any moms? All right. I think all the moms got taken care of, right? All right, if you now, now the hands that are going to go up now. If you don't have an outline, raise your hand so that way we can get you an outline so we can get into this message here. And as always, the reason why we have outlines is so that way you can a follow along as the preaching goes in the beginning of the introduction introduction is in the outline but then the second reason which is I think even more important is not just so that way you can follow along with the introduction but it's so that way you can take notes and you can participate in our connect life groups and every week we get together and we meet from September until the end of May and we get together in different homes different places and we break bread together we pray together we talk together and we discuss the sermons and so it's important to us that you are connected all right even though we only have a few weeks left of our connect cycle we still want to make sure that no one misses out and so you can still get connected you can see pastor chad and he will help you out pastor chad is the one that led us in communion for those who do not know and um and he'll get you connected to the right one amen all right so turn your bibles with me if you would to the book of second timothy chapter chapter one and we're going to read verses three through seven This is, this is one of my, um, it's one of my favorite portions of Scripture um, when the Apostle Paul is speaking to his son in the faith, Timothy. It's encouraging to me. It's beautiful when you can look into the Word of God and you can see examples of your own life. Second Timothy chapter one, verses three through seven. When you got it, say so. And the word of the Lord says, "I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. Greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. Verse 5 When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God, we thank you for your word. That is truth. We thank you for every mother that is in this place, Lord God, we thank you for our mothers who are not here, but Lord God, are in our hearts, Lord God, Father, and we just give you praise today for your word, for the inspiration of it, and we ask you this morning that even though this will be a message that is specific for mothers, God, that we would all be challenged by the truths that we'll talk about today. Father God, that we would be edified, that you would be glorified, that we would have ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your church. I pray that you would have your way in us, and I ask you all of this in Jesus' good name. And someone said... Amen. And so, as we honor our mothers today, and we're, we're going to jump right into the outline here. As we honor our mothers today, we give thanks for them, because despite their imperfections, they are typically a depiction of the grace of God, which is the reason why I chose the video that I did. And while there are exceptions, the rule is, mom's rock. Can someone say Amen. amen. I mean, there are exceptions, and I and I'm saddened because I feel like I have um, an amazing mother, you know. I, I have an imperfect mother like anyone else on this planet, but I have an amazing mom, and so I can't complain and say that I had a bad mom or you know something like that, because I had a good mom. No matter what went on, she was a good mom. And and for me, when I think about moms, you know, I look at that and I say, Man, moms are amazing. Amen. I mean, that's just the heart that I have for mothers. And so there's nothing There is nothing greater, of greater importance than to ensure that we as believers live our lives by faith in a real, authentic, and genuine manner. To live by faith is to live to please God. We talk about that because that is the vision of faith, them fellowship, to please God. So to live by faith is to live to please God, to live for the glory of God, and complete dependence upon God, total submission to his will, and determined adherence to his word. And so for us as believers, and while I'm gonna you know, talk about mom today. And I want, to, I want to do that, you know, because I want to honor the moms in this place. But I also want us to realize, look, don't tune out because you're not a mom. Hello. Don't, don't decide, well, this is a Mother's Day message, so I'm just going to tune out and I'll go to sleep and i wake up at the end and whatever. No, no, no. You need to engage because we're talking about a life of faith. We're talking about living by faith. We're talking about living for the glory and for the honor of Jesus. And so we see a few things here when we talk about, you know, specifically living for the glory and the honor of God. We want to make sure that our hearts are in the right place and and we realize that we are created beings. Therefore, we live in total dependence upon God. Are you here? You see, I was talking with Lewis um, the other day. We were, we were having lunch this earlier this week, and I was, I was reading a book by Bill Clem. It's called Disciple. And in that, he talks about the two things that we are, that we are human beings, right, but that we are created beings as well. And he talks about this, the the, the, two, the twofold reality. And the one part is that we are created, therefore we are dependent. In other words, you and I breathe because God allows us to breathe. The we, we have strength to do the things that we do because God allows us to do that. We are able to, whatever it is we enjoy, we're able to enjoy those things that are unsinful. Hello, somebody, because there's some sinful enjoyments that God is not like, hey, go do that. Hello. Right? But we, but we, we, everything that we have in this life is because of our Creator. And the Bible says that all good gifts come from where? They come from above, from the Creator. And so we are dependent. See, that's the reason why we live the way that we do. We live in light of the reality that we are created by a God in whom we are supposed to um, have glory and honor, and whom we're supposed to appreciate and recognize in all things. Man, He has given me this. The reason why we give money, you know, in tithes and offerings is not because. we have to because there is some rule. It is because we recognize that the strength that I have to get up and go to work is because someone provided that strength. I realize that the reason why I have the job that I have is not because I'm so great because check this out. The reason why I'm so great is because there's one that's greater. Hello, somebody. And so what happens is when we talk about living by faith, what I'm saying is we are living in total dependence upon God, complete dependence on him. Now, I don't know about you. I know about me and I can only talk about me because because I'm the only one that I live with. Hello. But what I do know is this, is that you're looking at a guy that recognizes that he's created and yet he struggles to live in total and complete dependence upon God at all times. Why? Because I want to do it on my own. I want to act like I don't have to do it. See, and the other part of the equation is where Bill Clem talks about us being not just created, but we are also human beings. and therefore we have um, we make real decisions and we are accountable for those decisions that we make. But sometimes we get our lines mixed and we think that we are autonomous and that is not true. Hello. And while we are surely responsible for all of our decisions and all of our actions and our will and the things that we do, we cannot live a life that is independent of God. We must live a life that recognizes dependence upon him. And the beauty of the cross is that every time that I forget who's in control, who provided me breath, who gave me the strength, I can come to repentance and say, God, forgive me. I depend on you for my life, but it's not just me depending upon God, but it is also me living in total submission. And I put some key words here. I put over here, complete dependence. And you should underline that because it's not just dependence. The goal is complete dependence, say complete dependence. It's not just dependence once in a while. It's complete dependence at all times, acknowledging that I am really dependent upon him. And the next one is total submission, say total submission. You see, because it is also something that is a reality that I'm not supposed to just live in submission sometimes, but I'm supposed to live in total submission to God, meaning that all of my being, that means all of my thoughts, that means all of my desires, that means all of my will, that means everything that is within me is in submission. I am submitted, I am under His authority. I don't just do what I want to do the way that I want to do it, but I consider what His will is, and I figure that out, and then I do what? I begin to live in total submission to his will. And again, I will confess to you, it is tough because I struggle just like anyone else that I've had conversations with that's being honest. There are moments that I want to do my will, not his will. Listen, I'll tell you straight up, I don't want to forgive everyone that's hurt me. Hello somebody. I know I know you think pastors are like perfect and like forgiveness is just boom, like automatic, right? Like they get hurt, boom, it's just they 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 just forgive and you know, boom, you're good to go, right? That's a, no it doesn't happen like that there's a process within our lives right you know i don't always I say it like this i don't always want to get up and pray every day i know you think pastors are just super holy and they just wake up out of bed hallelujah singing right like that's what happens right Listen. There are many days I, I, I can I can confess this to you. My wife the other day she was telling me, and, and I guess she's really knocked out when my alarm starts going off nowadays. Because there was a time that I would never hit the snooze button. As soon as that thing beeped, I was like, boom, praying, seeking God. Now now nowadays I I'm getting a little bit older. Hello, somebody. And that snooze button, I hit it two or three times, glory to God. The thing is, I keep my my alarm clock real low so she doesn't hear it. The other day she heard it and she's like, man, I was shocked because you never hit the snooze button. And so the reason that I share that is because I want you to realize that just like anyone else, I struggle, hello, hello. But I grow in my relationship and I make it a point that I am going to continue to submit my will unto his will. And then the last one here is, you know, living for his glory and living, you know, in this way that we're supposed to live is a determined adherence to his word. And so I am determined, say determined. You see, I know that I struggle with my flesh. That's just a reality that we're gonna deal with until the day that either Jesus comes for us or we go and meet him, whichever one it is. But that doesn't mean that I'm supposed to live defeated. Hello, I can live determined by faith. Are you hearing me? I can live a life that says, I know what the word of God declares. I know what God says in his word. Therefore, I I am determined to obey his word. I'm determined to do what his word asks of me. For me, as a man, I am first of all determined that I'm going to seek God with all of my heart. Why? Because his word says that I should seek him while he may yet be found. As a husband, I realize that I am going to do what? I am going to love my wife as Christ loves the church. Why? Because that is what he requires of me. As a father, I realize that I am going to do what? Raise my children in the fear and admonition or the nurture and instruction of the lord because the bible requires that of me as a pastor as a preacher i'm going to preach this word in season and out of season because of what because the word of god calls me to do that and what does that mean does that mean that every day i want to love my wife as christ of the church no i'm a sinner there are days that i want to be selfish i don't want to love her i don't want to serve her on mother's day i have to And it's not because of her, it's because of me. Are you hearing me? It's not because she's so bad and she's so hard. I have an amazing wife, right? And so what happens is I don't always want to do what the Word of God says, but I am determined to do what? To obey what God's Word says. And so for us, like we're talking about, you know, just, and I want to throw that in there, so that's my mini message before the rest of the message. Hello. So make sure that you took some notes and that, you know, you understand that this preaching that I want to preach today is not just for moms. This is for all of us because all of us are supposed to live a faith to remember. That's the title of the message this morning. A faith to remember. Remember. And so here's the thing. The apostle Paul, through his communication, we're back in the outline here, and through his communication with his son in the faith, a young man who was entrusted with the leadership of the church in Ephesus, shares with us some of the marks of a faith to remember. And it all starts with God's eternal plan. Understand this. Anything we have, anything we do, anything we accomplish was all part of God's eternal plan. Can you say amen to that? It was all part of him. He is a sovereign God. He controls, he directs. The Bible says that our steps, our days are written in a book that, I mean, he's got a book and he's all written out already and he knows what we're going to do, what we, what he's called us to do. And he gives us the mercy that we need when we fall short and when we deviate from the plan that he has for us. But ultimately he's going to fulfill his purposes. And so it all starts with an eternal plan. So if I'm going to have a faith that is going to be remembered, I need to recognize and depend upon that eternal plan. But here's the next thing. It all starts with an eternal plan, and a mother by the name of Lois who passed on her faith to her daughter, a mother by the name of Eunice who passed their faith on to a boy by the name Timothy who walked with Paul, and although we don't have one recorded message from Timothy, we are still being impacted by two books written in his name. And so this guy Timothy, I, we don't have any message. I mean, Frank is here. You know, he 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 could he can affirm this. We don't have a message from Timothy. We don't have a book that Timothy wrote or anything like that. But you know what we have? We have instructions. As a matter of fact, First and Second Timothy and, and Titus. These are called the pastoral epistles. These are books that are written that the church should adhere to. They should look at what is inside of the church, right? And and we should be able to see the truths that are there because that's what's supposed to govern the church. And you know what God chose to do? God chose to entitle the books by the name Timothy, right? For some reason you know put this in the people who were you know putting down the names there so that way we could remember who this guy timothy paul writes to his son in the faith and this guy's life or or, or the communications between him and the apostle paul are still impacting us but can we talk about this for a moment it didn't start with paul after god it started with who grandma and it went from grandma to mom And it went to a son. We meet Timothy in the book of Acts chapter 16 where the apostle Paul goes to Derby, where he was living. And when he goes there, what he does is he brings him along. And the Bible says that his, his father was a Greek. In other words, his father was not a believer. His father was not the one instructing him in the faith. And listen, let me pause for a moment because for all the dads in here, this is not a message to say, hey, you're off the hook. You don't have to teach your kids. That's not what I'm saying. But I want to speak to the reality of the power of the, you know, the influence, the, you know, the um, impact. I want, to, I want to talk about that of a mother and how important that relationship is. Because on the flip side of the token is, especially in a church where we preach hard about, you know, dads being dads and men being men. And we want to encourage them to be that. You know, sometimes we can, like, you know, go under the radar and think, well, hey, man, as long as dad's got it under control, we're good to go. No. Oh. We need to work together if we're in a home with a husband and a wife, with children. It's not just dad's responsibility, it's also mom's responsibility, amen, to help our children grow in the faith. And we see Timothy, he is who he is because of God's plan, because of his grandmother and because of his mother. And so the first thing when we're looking at some of the marks is the importance of a woman. So say this with me. We must understand the biblical importance of women in general, mothers specifically. We must understand the biblical importance of women in general and mothers specifically. Now, if we go back, and you don't have to go back there with me right now, but if you write this down, the book of Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 and the book of Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18, and you will notice something there. This is the creation account. And the reason why we want to go back to the creation account is because when we're, we're establishing importance, we need to look at the created reason for something, right? And so we understand a lot from creation. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was being questioned about divorce and stuff like that, you know, he talks about what? He quotes the book of Genesis and says that God created them male and female. That's how God made them. The apostle Paul, later on when he is instructing the church, I believe it's in um, it's in 1 Timothy chapter 2, at the end of chapter 2 going into chapter 3, three as he's instructing the church he goes back to what happened in Genesis as a reference and so I'll follow suit with Jesus and Paul and we'll go back to the book of Genesis and we'll look at something that happened there and in this creation the Bible shows us that God created them male and female he created them to be image bearers of God equally He didn't create man to be more of an image bearer than the woman. That isn't true. As a matter of fact, you'll notice something. The first not good thing that we find in the Bible is what? It is that Adam was alone. That's the first not good thing that we find in the Bible. And what does he do? Does he bring him a hippopotamus? Hello. Does he bring him a nice car? Does he bring him a nice home? Does he bring him an iPad, you know? Does he get him some gadget to help him out, you know? Does he get some organizer? Is that what he does? No, he got a woman. Hello, somebody. He got a wife, glory to God. And and God said, and the reason why this is important is because I need you to get this, ladies, and even men in this place. Adam could not have fulfilled his purpose without his wife. Are you hearing me? That is, a, that is of how much value. That's the reason why it was not a good thing. Because the command that God gives to be fruitful and multiply is impossible. I said it when I was saying, you know, mothers do stuff that I thank God they can do. One of the things that moms do that a man will never do, I don't think we could do it, is give birth. Hello, somebody. Are you, you, you know, that wasn't enough enthusiasm there. I, I don't know if y'all believe me, but I'm, I consider myself to be a strong dude. But when I get hurt, I'm a baby. Are you hearing me? Right? Like, like, I can lift weights and I can do the, all, that, all that, all that kind of stuff. I love that, right? But, you know, get hurt. I'm limping. I'm crying. I need attention. I couldn't imagine being in labor. Hello. I told you all the story when my wife was in labor I was sitting there and you know most people they cry when you know when 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 the when the baby comes out right that's when they're crying I wasn't crying when I, I mean I didn't cry when my daughter came out not because I wasn't excited because that just wasn't the emotion that hit me I was crying when I saw the agony on my wife's face when she was pushing hello I was like Oh, I mean, I just, something broke inside of me. And I could only, and, and I could only imagine. I, I couldn't be that. I'd have been like, yo, I'm done. I'm done. This baby, y'all cut this thing out, something. I'll put me to sleep and let me wake up when it's all over. I'm just, you know, I mean, the reality is, you know, moms are, you know, we talk about, you know, women being the weaker vessel in some areas. Hello. Are you hearing me? Don't, don't take the scriptures out of context. They're not talking about, and I, I'm going to tell you what, in that area, she's stronger than me. Hello. There's areas in which we have to realize that, that, that God creates us to do what? He doesn't create this culture, what we have in our culture, you know, this sex war, you know, this this you know battle of the sexes. That was never God's original intent and plan. God never intended for men to try to, you know, push down women. He never intended that, nor did he ever try to, you know, encourage women to push men down, you know, and talk about well, whatever a man can do, a woman can do. Hello, that's not the way God created it, so don't believe the lie. Hello. The same. It, 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 the token is the same way. Listen, we need each other. You know, Angel was joking because my wife, you know, she travels and she was out of town. And he was like, hey, so you were playing mom this week? And I'm like, that's physically impossible. <laughs> it's emotionally impossible. It is impossible for me to play mom. Listen, I play dad all the time. Are you hearing me? Because I am dad, and that's all I can do. I can't play mom. I'm not going to patty. Well, I'll patty cake. That's not mom or dad. That's just baby, you know what I'm saying? So just, you know, patty cake is all good, right? But for some reason, my son brings that little book to me all the time, patty cake, patty cake. He loves it. But anyway, anyway just moving on. But the point is, I can't be a mom, never. I will never be able. I, I was not equipped to do that, Right? And so moms have us, but here's the thing. If we recognize that, what we will stop doing is we will stop competing with one another and we will start complimenting one another. That's what we'll do. We'll recognize, hey, I have strengths, but so does he or so does she. Hello. We'll start to recognize I have weaknesses, so does she, so does he. And so in a in, in a marriage context, right, so for those of you that are not married yet, you're getting some premarital counseling. For those that are, are married, you're getting some marriage counseling right now. What you do is you recognize the strength of your spouse and don't try to be stronger than them. Let them be strong. Hello. But you also recognize your weakness and encourage them to help. And you go ahead and you build each other up instead of trying to run the show yourselves. Hello. You complement one another. That was God's original intent and his original purpose. See, in a culture that the enemy has wreaked havoc on where we find our identity, a biblical understanding of the importance and value of a woman in God's eyes is vital. And so we have to understand God's creation account. We have to understand the importance of a woman. See, because that's what's going to mark a life of faith is when a woman understands what? Her value when she understands her importance, and and when she has this identity. Write this down if you're taking notes. I, I think that this is important. Where we find our identity is where we will invest our lives. Where we find our identity is where we will invest our lives. You want to know why people are workaholics? Because their identity is in their work. You want to know why people, and I, I will say this, you want to know why some people and, you know, some generations, this generation, I'm going to just say it, man. Most of this generation, they're like the total flip opposite. But a couple generations ago, people would get lost in church stuff, right? And you, know, you want to know why? Because they didn't have an identity in Christ. They had an identity in what they did in church, there is a difference, and we have to find that balance where we learn to sacrifice our time, where we learn to sacrifice our pleasures, and where we, un- where we understand biblical balance is making sure that Jesus is the center of all things. Hello. That Jesus is the center of all, and that we live out of that. But see, here's this. Another reason why parents, they become overly consumed with their kids is because their identity is in the behavior of their kids. Idea, they want to make sure their kids act right. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, if my identity was in Josiah, glory to God. I love my son, and I, I'm going to beat him a lot. I'm going to let you all know that right now. So you all pray for me and pray for him. I can't really beat him now because he's too young to get beat, but I whack him. But here's the thing my son is, is is amazingly crazy I'm just gonna let y'all know that we I, I, I was joking you last Sunday we went we went to um, lunch with Dave my son I have a scar right here y'all might be able to see it my son stabbed me in the head I'm just saying he think because my, my mother-in-law amazing mother-in-law that I have glory to God she's a woman of faith she taught my son how to go like this with like sticks and things and so now he needs two of everything so every time he sits down he can do this because he's gonna learn to play drums and but here's the thing when he goes like this and I'm sitting right next to him guess what happens I get stabbed in the head. Glory to his name. My son, right? So my point is, I, 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 was, I, was, t- I was confessing. I, I, and I'll I, I tell you, Pastor, pa, Pastor Aldo and Minister Vanessa over there, I used to be like, because they would always talk about Alina, she needed a nap. And I'm like, you all are horrible parents. Like, whatever, I need a nap. I'm like, Alexis don't need a nap. She'll go to sleep right there until I had Josiah. Glory to God. And I'm like, they're amazing parents. Glory to his name. Right? Kids are just different. But the point is, we can get so consumed with the behavior of our kids, with the grades of our children. And it's because of what? It's because we, we don't realize that we haven't found our true identity in Christ. And so we're trying to make our kids perfect, not for them, it's for us. It's not so that way they stay out of harm's way, it's so that way that we don't look bad. See, there's a difference when I parent from a place of identity. I want my son not to act right. Listen, I don't want my son to act right just so he doesn't stab me in the head. That's part of it. I'm just saying. But I want my son to act right because I don't want him to grow up and end up in prison. Hello. Hello. I don't want him to end up doing things, end up dead, end up diseased because I didn't discipline him. It's not because y'all are going to think highly or lowly of me. Listen, to be completely honest with you, I care about one thing, and that is that God is pleased with my parenting. That's the reality because I have an identity. I am a child of God regardless of how they act or you act or whatever. I know where my identity is. Are you here? And so what we realize is that we can, we, when we have our identity in Christ, what I do is I live what? I live for the glory of God. Amen. And so as moms, here's the thing. We see this great man Timothy, God used and Paul trusted, receiving his biblical faith foundation through who? The women of faith in his life. The women of faith in his life, they were the ones who poured into his life. The second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this, say, we must recognize the influence a mother has in a child's life. We must recognize the influence a mother has in a child's life. See, when Paul is writing here to Timothy in, 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 in chapter one and 2 Timothy in verse four, he sa- or in verse five, he says, when I call to remembrance, which is where we get the idea of a faith to remember, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. What we understand is that we don't see how long Paul was with Timothy's family, but he was with them long enough to see something and that was faith in grandma and faith in mom and i see that in in the son i see it in the son i see this faith in the conversations that he had with timothy i'm sure that he got an understanding of where did timothy learn the truths of the word of god and it was through who it was through his grandmother through his mother it was the influence that they had and moms listen i'll say this if you're not yet you need to become master motivators are you here moms need to become master motivators i'll give you i'll give you an example my wife last week we were getting in the car and this wasn't a motivation of a child this is just my wife being a motivator that she is and so we get in the car and we're getting ready to go to the restaurant to eat and as we get in the as we get in the car you know dave is like i'll sit in the back your bride can sit in the front and what am i going to say to that all right glory to god i'm going to sit next to my bride well my bride comes to the car she opens the back door and she's like listen why don't you go ahead and sit in the front and he was like "No, no no you can sit in the front and she was like no let me sit by my kids. I never get to sit by them. And he's like, man, you pulled the kid's card on me. I can't argue with that. He's like, so I'm going to the front, right? And so she, she, she knew what to say in order to, you know, move the situation the right way. Now, here's the thing. I didn't say master manipulators. Hello, somebody. It's all in the M family, but there's a difference between manipulation and motivation, right? And it's, and, and, and it's a slight line, you know? And, and, and I think the difference that I would say is this, is that when you are manipulating someone, you are trying to control someone for your own gain, for your own glory. When you are motivating someone, you are trying to lead someone to bring glory and honor to God. Hello. You see, and and what needs to happen is moms need to realize the influence that they have in their children's lives. You see, we believe in making disciples. I talked about that of our children. Not only do we believe in making disciples, but we also believe, and if you've never heard this before, I hope you're paying attention. It is primarily the responsibility of parents to make their children disciples. To raise them in the instruction and nurture of the Lord is the call to parents. Hello. Hello. It's not, it's not come and drop them off at a kid's dome and they're going to get discipled, no. It's not bring them to, you know, youth service and they're going to get discipled and you got all these discipleship programs to help your kids grow in faith. For me as a parent that has a child that's in a private Christian school, it's not drop your daughter off at a private Christian school and she's going to be discipled. It's not like that. It's not like figure out, you know, or find the most spiritual Christian you know and drop your kids off with them so they can learn. It's not like backyard Bible school or, you know, the summer programs that they have. That Those things are supplements or should be supplements to the teaching that we bring into our children's lives. Are you here? And see, what I will say is this, is while we do see clearly that we have Lois, which is Grandma, and then we have Eunice, I don't want you to think that, you know, it's okay, well, we'll drop them off with Grandma because she's real spiritual. We'll drop them off with the grandparents because they're going to make them holy. Listen, typically, even holy grandparents do not make your children holy. Even holy grandparents have a tendency to spoil. I'm just saying. They're holy, you know, but at the same time, they're, they're grandparents. I'm just saying. Remember I said, you know, we struggle with that flesh. But here's the thing. It is the responsibility of the parents to do that. But it's not just the dad's responsibility. Mom has a part in this. Parents are the first and greatest influence upon their children. And typically, hear what I'm saying, moms. Due to the bond between mothers and children, moms are the greatest motivators of their children for better or for worse. So whether you realize this or not, there's a, you know, and, 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 and I, I, try, I try, you know, to be a, an emotionally involved guy. You know, I'm not, like, disconnected from my emotions, and I understand, you know, what I'm feeling, and I communicate those things. But I still notice my wife and I, we're just different. I was thinking about it when I was thinking about the message. Our communication with our daughter is different. There's a, there's a different emotion involved in my wife's communication than there is with me. It's just, we're just different, right? We're supposed to be. And see, what happens is, I don't know about you but my wife has the ability now I'm gonna let y'all know she's not perfect I'm just gonna say this but my wife has the ability to bring the best out of me and at times she helps me see the worst in me we'll say it like that amen I, I like that right so what I did there Because I don't believe anybody brings out anything in you. I believe that it's just there, and they just kind of squeeze, and oh, there it came, glory to God. It it wasn't like they they made you do something. Oh, they make me so angry. No, 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 no. Hold on. They may have actions that may try to provoke you, but they didn't make you anything. Hello. But nonetheless, you know, what I realize is that I I can have a conversation with a guy, this is straight up, with a guy, and they will tell me the same exact thing my wife tells me, and it doesn't move me the way it does when my wife tells me. Like, I'll be like, all right, cool. My wife tells me, and sometimes I want to fight. Like, I'm, like, ready to, like, go throw down. And, and, and it's just it's because she stuck some emotion in there, right, and just hit me, like, right in the heart. Like, she knows the exact word, glory to God. See, you know, th- those words are to make me feel like He-Man, and then those other words, you know, y'all don't know about He-Man. But anyway, some of y'all might. <laughs> Superman, we'll use him, all right? Those, you know, just make you feel like Superman, right? Just, you feel, but then other times you feel like, man, what's up, man? I'm not even Mighty Mouse right now. Just, you know, you know how that goes. <laughs> Y'all don't know about him either. But anyway, he's like Mickey Mouse, but another guy, he's a superhero mouse. But anyway, ultimately, what happens is, right, I know, this is terrible. But ultimately, what happens is I'm giving history lessons, right? So ultimately, what, what, what happens is moms need to recognize the level of influence they have in their children's lives. Don't think that there's anyone else that has more influence. You're there. You're that mom. You have that time. See, here's the thing. We're talking about faith to be remembered. Faith is a force. It's an automatic source of influence. Just as Lois and and Eunice influenced and deposited their faith into Timothy, so the modern-day woman of faith must recognize they have the same ability to influence the faith of their children and grandchildren and beyond see, it's not just your children, it's not just your grandchildren, it's beyond that. See, you're speaking into generations, I already said this, Lois, Eunice, Timothy, us, look at us, 2,000 years later, give or take, and guess what, we're still talking about these ladies. See, that's the kind of legacy that women of God can leave when they understand the level of influence that they have. See, there's, a, there's an ability to influence that's there, and we need to recognize that as people in general, but as women of God, and realize that the key is let the faith be the thing that's the influence. The third thing, say this with me, we must anticipate the impact of a mother upon her children. We must anticipate the impact of a mother upon her children. You can write this down, Proverbs 1 and verse 8 and Proverbs 6 and verse 20. But the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And it's funny because wisdom is actually depicted as a female in that book. I find that to be ironic. God chose to inspire and and, and let them talk about wisdom in in, in a feminine way, right? Because of what? Because of the motivation that is there. Proverbs is a conversation in general. It's a conversation to be understood between a father and a son. And yet Proverbs 1.8 and Proverbs 6.20 say this. Do not forsake the law or the teaching of your mother. And so a wise father is communicating and he's doing two things. Number one, he is letting his children know your mom is to be respected and honored. And number two, he's letting moms know you need to make sure you're teaching your children the truth. Don't expect, listen, here's one of the things that I I love, I love this. If there's one thing that that I would brag about in my home is that my wife doesn't wait for me to come home to discipline. Hello. Are you hearing me? She doesn't wait for that to happen. She is going to do it because what? Because she's mom, just like I'm dad. And we both have the ability. Now, she may wait for me to come home to have a big conversation. Now, that's wise, right? So we can both be on the same page. You know, we, we had a situation. She was gone, and, you know, something happened while she was away. And I called, I, I texted her. I said, please call me when you have the opportunity. And she was like, okay. So she called me up. I won't tell you the story because I don't want to incriminate anyone. But anyway, um, she called me back and I was like, babe, this and this happened and I really need to know what do you think would be the right thing to do in this situation and you know, she was like, well let's do this, let's do this and then you know, we went that route. I felt horrible but we went that route and then I came back to her and I was like, hey babe let me, can, can we do this? And she was like sure and so we parented together through a situation. But here's the thing the thing is, the, the writer of this of this book of Proverbs communicates something that's powerful and is that a woman is, is supposed to be a teacher of her children. She's supposed to be a teacher. Why is it so important? Faith must have a substance to be passed on. The substance of true faith is the Word of God. What does the book of Romans chapter 10 verse 17 say? Faith comes by feeling. Was that feeling? Like hearing. I like that. It's like echoing, right? It's hearing. And that, that, that's a good picture, though, because it's heard over and over and over again. That's how faith comes. We, You know, they've done statistics, and most people don't come to faith in Jesus until like the sixth or seventh time that they've heard the gospel. This is just a reality. I don't know about you. Think about yourself. That's probably true or somewhere around there. It wasn't like the first time you heard the gospel. You just responded. You were hearing it. And so what happens is faith comes by hearing the word of God. And so the substance of true faith is the word of God. Listen, We can't pass on feelings, but we can pass on foundation. You see, you and I cannot make our children, we can't make anyone feel what we feel, but what we can do is we can give them what we've learned. We can give them the reasons why we feel the way we feel. We can show them why we worship the way we do. We can show them why we do the things we do because what? Is it because we always feel them? Absolutely not. But it's because we are determined to obey the word of God. Therefore, we need to do this. Here's here's what needs to happen: mothers must become women of the book. Are you here? Mothers must become women of the book if they are going to have a lasting impact upon the faith of their children in a positive way. Your children must see your faith, but they must also be taught your faith. It's not enough just to model your faith. See, belief or faith must be modeled before it is going to be effectively transferred. Are you here? See, because I can talk the talk all day, but if I am not walking the walk, ain't nobody trying to hear me. If I am not living what I am preaching, and listen, here's, here, here, here is the beauty of being in a gospel-centered church. Parents, no one, I'm never going to call you to perfection. I'm going to call you to progress. Hello. I'm not going to call you to perfection because I don't expect that because I am not perfect. But you know what? When I fall short, you know what I'm quick to do? Repent of that sin. What I'm quick to do is acknowledge my error, my, short, my, my shortcoming. I acknowledge that and I show my child that I depend on the gospel the same way I expect them to depend on the gospel. You see, that's what it means. It means to be a person who grows in faith, a person who is trained by grace, a person who is making progress in their walk with Christ, a person who is not struggling with the same sins every single day, every single year after year after year. Listen, I was talking to Brother Lewis about that. If we are continuing to struggle with the same sin week after week after week after week, have you really encountered the cross? Have you really submitted to the power of grace? Have you really submitted to the word of God and really said, God, you have set in your word for me to be holy because you are holy. Therefore, I want you obey, but I cannot obey in my own strength. Therefore, I must be doing something wrong. And maybe it is that I really haven't submitted myself under the word of God. Maybe it is that I really haven't yielded my thoughts to the word of God. Because here's the thing: the Bible says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Listen, if you are not Constantly in the word of God, meditating on the scriptures. How do you expect your mind to think any different? Can I tell you something? If your thoughts don't change, your walk won't either. If you don't get your mind in the word of God and the word of God into your heart, guess what will never happen? You will never live it out. You will never do it. You'll continue to, you know, have the pity party of your imperfect. Listen, we're all sinners, we're all falling short, but you know what the beauty is? We live under the power of grace. And you know what grace is? Grace is not just a ticket to heaven, y'all. Grace is an influence upon my heart that is displayed in my life. Hello. And so I should be growing in the grace and knowledge of God, not sitting back like I got a free ticket to heaven and I'm okay because I said a prayer one day. Hello. You see, what happened is Paul is communicating to his son in the faith and he's making these things clear and he talks about this mom. And these moms influence their son with the word of God. See, Proverbs chapter 14, this is another one you need to write down. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 1, it says this. It says, a wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her hands. The wise woman builds her house. It's not just daddy's responsibility to build the house. Hello. The wise woman builds her house. And he's not talking about building brick and mortar. Hello. He's not talking about going out there. I'm not saying a woman can't do that. If you like construction work, go ahead, do your thing. I'm just saying. But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about building the home. He's talking about building the house. He's talking about building up the heritage within the home. The wise woman builds. The foolish woman destroys see, we must believe in the power of the word in order to pass it on. The foundation for Timothy's faith was where? It was in the scriptures. Turn over in in, in 2 Timothy. Just look over to the next chapter, verses 14 to verse 17. Look what it says here. It says, Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Paul is calling Timothy to do what? He's calling Timothy to be one who is looking at the word of God and who is asking him to do what? Listen, take the word of God, rightly divide it, and then look over to chapter 3 here. He goes on to say, he says, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecution, affliction, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecution I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me, yes, and I also, who, and, and, and yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, so he's talking about evil days, he's saying, man, things are going to get worse, they're not going to get better, are you here? He's saying, look, these are what's good. You need to be a person who rightly divides the word of truth, not someone who just depends on their feelings and their emotions. Hello. Someone who rightly divides the scriptures. He says in verse 14, he says, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned and from that, and that from childhood. Look at this. And that from childhood. He didn't say, from the time you met me, it wasn't from the time you came to church. It wasn't from the time that I came into your life. He said, but from childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures. Who do you think taught him these Holy Scriptures? Grandma and mom. It wasn't dad. In this scenario, it was grandma and mom that were doing that. See, I thank God because I have have this heritage of faith in my life. Because my grandmother, when I was younger, she was the only one who was a woman of faith in our family. She was the only one that walked with Jesus. And I remember her taking me to church as I was a young boy. I remember her sitting up and reading the Bible with me. And my favorite story, I've said this before, David and Goliath, I was just amazed. You know, I was all into bodybuilding, And then I realized, hey, you don't have to be that strong, right? You can just go ahead and just slay people with rocks. But anyway, you know, it, it, was, a, it was an encouraging story for me. I love to hear that story. And she would constantly read that to me. She would take me to church. She would do everything she could to deposit faith in my life. And then the beauty of it is, is that, you know, some 10 years, you know, 12 years later after I'd stopped going to church and I was a total, I mean, I was terrible gangbanging, doing all kinds of stuff crazy. And my mom gave her life to Jesus. And when my mother gave her life to Christ, a couple of months after my mother coming to faith, all of a sudden I came to faith. And you want to know why? It was because God worked through my grandmother and then worked through my mother to bring faith and make it active in my life. You see, and so what I'm saying is that, look, this is not just some something that's in a book somewhere. This is something that happens continually. We have to be committed to and we have to recognize that God has called us into this. And so he says this continuing in verse 15, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. He goes on to say all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for te- for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly Equipped for every good work. He communicates here, and he says, "Look, these scriptures were able to do what? Make you wise unto salvation. They were able to show you what was the most important thing, which is what these scriptures teach us. What they teaches us that we are sinful by our birth, that we are born into sin. But not only do we sin, are we sinful because of our birth? But we are sinful by our decisions." This is what the Scriptures teach us. The Scriptures also teach us that God's standards are too high for us to fulfill on our own. In other words, I cannot do anything to save myself. I can't do anything to deliver myself from the wrath of God because the result of someone being sinful and sinning against God and rebelling against God is what? It is an eternity separated from God in a place called hell. And what I realized through the scriptures, not because a man made this doctrine up, not because someone wants to scare you to death, But the reality is that I am dead in my trespasses apart from God. But the beauty of it is this, is that God does not want me to remain in my sin. But in the Old Testament, which was a foreshadow of the New Testament, what does God do? God points to a Savior who would come and fulfill the law. He would live a perfect, sinless life in our place. And then he would suffer our death He would suffer for us and that way we don't have to suffer eternity separated from God. You see, the scriptures make us wise to salvation, but can I tell you something? Salvation does not end once you say a prayer or you make a commitment. Salvation is a continual work. It's a process called sanctification. God continues to work by the power of the gospel in our hearts, in our lives, to do what? To make us more like Jesus. Listen, y'all, the reason why we got saved, the reason why God saved us is because he gave us a new identity, and he wants our actions to reflect that identity. He wants us to be completely dependent upon the reality that he saved us. That he is the only one that is righteous enough, but he wants us to live our lives for his glory and for his honor. He wants us to grow in the grace and knowledge of who Jesus is. And moms, what I'm telling you is you should anticipate the impact that you can have upon the lives of your children. Three things that you got to do is you got to model, you have to instruct, and you have to live it out. That's it. You have to believe yourself. You have to instruct your children, and you have to model faith for them. Listen, if you don't believe it, you're not going to live it. And if you don't live it, you're probably not going to teach it. Hello. So what do we do? We ask ourselves this question. I close with this. What type of woman are you or what type of person are you? Are you a builder or a destroyer? Are you one that is building faith into your children? Are you one that's destroying the faith of your children? That's not to be condemning because you may be one that is praying for your children. You may be one that is communicating the word of God to your children. You may be one that is doing that and you're trying to build and that's beautiful. But you know what? You may be someone who's like, man, I am destroying the faith of my children. I've been a hypocrite. I've been a bad example. I haven't lived the faith that I'm talking about. And you know what the beauty of this is? The beauty of it is that Jesus offers us his mercy. He offers us the opportunity to repent. But listen, it's not just about a prayer to God. If you've been a bad example, communicate that with your children. Ask them for forgiveness. And tell them that you want to make a new start and begin to build them in faith. And for all of us, this is the question, is talking about a faith to remember. Because remember, Paul said, when I bring to remembrance your faith, Timothy, all of us. Here's the question for everyone in this room. Are you living a life that is one of a faith to remember? The faith, a life that is a faith to remember is this. It has its foundation in the word of God. So my first question is, are you a person of the book? Are you a person who knows this word? I'm not talking about you memorized everything. I'm talking about a person who knows this word, who knows the person who authored this word, right? Are you a person of the book? Are you growing in the word of God? A faith to remember is a faith that is used to inform and influence others. Are um, are others being informed and influenced by your faith? Are other people, your children, co-workers, neighbors, Friends, family, are they being informed and influenced? In other words, are they seeing you live differently than others? A faith that is to be remembered is a faith that is lived in a manner that calls others higher. Are you challenging others' faith? Do others see your faith and say, man, I want to I, I have that kind of faith? It's not to be boastful. That should humble you. Listen, you guys heard Pastor Frank the other day. He was talking about praying and he was, you know, made made y'all laugh talking about me praying and people going to sleep after I prayed and all that kind of stuff and no one else wanted to pray. Let me tell you something. That is the most hard stuff for me to hear because I, you know, it's not because I'm falsely humble. It's because, man, I only pray like that because God's grace and his mercy. Because when I was a kid, I wanted to know how to pray. When I mean a kid, I was, you know, I was a kid in the faith. You know what I did? I took a journal and I used to write down, okay, this is what the psalms say and this is what this says. And when I would get together and pray, I just started saying the things I was writing down. And then, you know, As time progressed, God helped me to grow in that. And that's just an area that God has given me grace. But I'm humbled when people recognize that because, man, I just thank God for his mercy. And so it's not, I hope people want to pray, not like me. I hope people want to pray more fervently. I I hope people want to pray longer. I hope people want to pray more. I hope that my prayers can motivate in your heart when you hear me pray. Something that stirs you to say, man, God, I need more of you. That's my hope. I don't want people to pray like me, man. there's, there's There's one loud guy. That's enough. Hello. Perhaps I chat another loud one too, but anyway, two is enough, right? I'm just saying, you know, but, but what, what I'm saying is there should be a motivation because it's not about the, 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 the how loud my voice is. It's about how deep my heart is connected to what I'm saying. And so is your faith challenging the faith of other people? Are they looking at your lifestyle? Are they looking and saying, man, I want to have that kind of faith? See, a faith to be remembered is a faith that leaves a legacy. So my question is, are you investing in the next generation's faith? Are you pouring in to the next generation of faith? And the last one is, a faith to be remembered is a faith that can be reproduced. Are you showing others a biblical pattern for growing in faith? Listen, you want to learn to pray? Read through the Psalms. Read through the New Testament. Paul has a bunch of prayers that he wrote that, that, that are written out there for us, and we can look at those and we can learn how to pray through the Word of God. You want to know how to study the Bible? Well, come. We have a mentoring program. Hello. We have connect. Hello. We have, we have telephones, text messaging, I, you know, everything, all kind of stuff. You communicate if you really want to learn. Are you asking? See, those things are important for us, that we have the right mindset, that we have the right understanding, that, that we are, are we doing something to reproduce. I told you all, my daughter, she would, she would come into my room. My wife, door was always locked. Um, it was closed. I didn't have to lock it with my wife. But when my daughter got a little bit older, she was able to open the door. And so I would be in the study. The door would be closed. And my daughter would just bust in the room and walk in there when she would wake up in the morning. And she would come in the room. And what would I do? Tell her, get out of here. This is a holy place. No, man, I used to grab her and put her on, on my seat. And I would pray over her. And hope, you know, that my daughter would, would and I mean, I, don't, I doubt she remember that stuff, but just hope that, you know, I can model faith in a way that, hey, man, you want to get closer to God, you need to go into a room by yourself with him. You need to separate time for Jesus. I mean, those things are important. And so the question again, are you a builder or are you a destroyer? Are you living a life that is a faith to remember? And if you're not, God gives you the opportunity to do that today. He calls you today by his grace to be a builder not a destroyer. Amen? Stand to your feet and bow your heads. Father, we are so, so grateful today for the love that you have shown us. We are so grateful today for your grace, for your power, God. We're so grateful today for the moms that we have. And Father, we just submit our hearts before you this this day, and God, we ask, Holy Spirit, That you would continue to speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, that you would continue to reveal yourself unto us, God. Continue to show us the areas in which we need to grow. Continue to show us the power of your grace that enables us to obey your word, God. Father, I pray for every mom in this place, God. I thank you for all of them. And I just pray over them a special blessing in this day. I pray that this message encourage their faith, and I pray that they would be women of the book. I pray that they would be women who model faith, women who believe your word, and women who teach your word, God. I pray, Jesus, that you would build them up in their faith. I pray that you would help them to build their children, to build their co-workers, to build all of those in their lives, God, that you've called them to build, Lord Jesus. Father, I really pray that we not just the moms, but that we as your people would be disciple makers, God. That we would be those who really embrace the call to go ye therefore, making disciples of all nations, God. Father, I pray for your grace upon us. For those of us, God, that have fallen short, that recognize that we've been destroyers and not builders, forgive us, God. And Father, lastly, I pray for those in this place that may not know you. Father, they heard your gospel. They're separated from you, God. There's no hope apart from you for them. May they recognize their hopelessness apart from you, but also the great hope that there is if they'll submit their lives to you, if they'll trust you as Lord, if they'll trust you as Savior, if they'll put their faith in you, if they'll repent of their sin, God, that you'll give them new life today. Father, fill us with your grace. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' great name, someone said. Come on, give God a hand of praise. He's worthy.